today happens to be Pentecost Sunday, so it's fitting and it's right that we go to the book of Acts, and I'm going to read just a few verses of Scripture in chapter 1, beginning with verse number 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Everybody say the promise. The promise. Wait. He commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem. He commanded them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. He said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father, which I have already talked to you about. He said, I've already explained this and shared this with you, and I want you to go and wait until it happens. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say Holy Ghost. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said you are going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. So go to Jerusalem and wait there until it happens. And we're going to talk about that today, God's greatest promise. You may be seated. What a wonderful, wonderful presence of God that's in this place right now. Amen. This is a special day. It's a special day not only for you and I, but it is a special day in the history of Israel. And also for those who are saints of God in this hour. For the Israelite, they look back and remember on a day like today, a time of great deliverance when God brought them out of Egyptian bondage. So for the Jewish individual, they would be celebrating today by looking back to the deliverance of Israel God's people out of Egyptian bondage. This is what their day, the day of Pentecost, is all about. And to this day, many, many uh, centuries later, they still celebrate Pentecost, which simply means 50, if you were wondering. It was just 50 days after Passover that they celebrated Pentecost. It was back in the month of April around the, the, the middle of that month, that we had Easter, which uh, is in effect a celebration of Passover. And Pentecost was an event that took place 50 days after Passover. So when people want to know what is this Pentecost stuff and what is it all about, you can tell them it simply means 50. It was a celebration that took place after Passover about a month and a half later, and they would set aside a time to remember the Passover, remember what God did for them when they were brought out of Egypt and uh, through 
the Red Sea, and you know the story. So it begins with, it begins with their physical freedom that God made a way for them, brought them out of slavery and bondage, and it, and it culminated with spiritual freedom. So today, we look back and we celebrate the day that He delivered us out of sin that He delivered us out of bondage to the world and filled us with His Spirit. So it began with a celebration of physical deliverance out of Egypt, and it culminates with you and I celebrating a spiritual deliverance that has come to us. Anybody thankful for the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Now, in Egypt, they had no real life of their own. Their lives were subject to uh, a position of slavery. And when God delivered them, it was, it was like being reborn. <laughs> they had no life. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. They were living by the order of someone else. And when they were brought out of Egypt... It was like a birth for them. They were reborn. They now had a life of their own. And God then established for them in the wilderness and that great mountaintop experience with Moses, God began to set up, if you will, them as their own people. Before that, they were, they were just a family, a family that had grown over centuries of time while in Egypt. But out of Egypt, God began to put laws into place, and God began to put expectations into place, and they became a people, and we know them as Israel today. And so these captives had a new life offered to them. Everybody say a new life. They had a new life, but they were really not sure how to live life because they had gone into Egypt, a family of 70 or so, and they came out four centuries later, millions of people, and there was no real structure, there was no order. They were not sure how to live this new life. And so we have Sinai. We have the experience of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments and all of those things. We have Moses being instructed by God what type of uh, place to worship him in. We have the tabernacle and all of the expectations that God wanted for them. Well, later in their history, after, after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they once again experienced new life, but now they were not experiencing new life as a people that was established, but now they were experiencing new life as individuals that were born again of the Spirit. So it's a, it's, it's a wonderful story, and, it, and we could really spend all day talking about all the significant events surrounding Pentecost and what it all means. But in the book of Acts, we see an eternal shift that happened here. And this now is something that is not just for the 
physical being or the natural life, but now this is something that will live on. This is much deeper than just uh, here are the laws that I want you to live by. Here are the things that I want you to uh, surround your life in. But now in the book of Acts, it goes to a complete different level. And it was on the day of Pentecost, Kenny read it earlier, that in the midst of their celebrating, in the midst of them remembering Egypt and God bringing them out of Egypt, it's in the midst of this celebration that the church is born. What you and I know today as the church, it's born in the second chapter of Acts. And the Bible is as nothing more than a book of promises. Okay, when you look at the Bible, probably more than anything else, you you need to know that this is a book of promises. It's it's full of promises. One promise after another. And 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 I may say these are amazing promises that we that we have. Promises that are out of this world. Promises that that go beyond human reasoning. And and that's why That's why it's the greatest book that anybody could ever read. It's the greatest book that anyone could ever read. And if you're only going to read one book, make sure it's this book. And and, and if you're going to reread a book, make sure it's this book. Reread this book. Go, Go over it time and time and time again, because as you read it, you'll find out uh, there are promises there, and there are promises for you, and promises for me, and there are times in my life that I, I read through various chapters and verses and books in the Bible, and it really doesn't seem to relate at the moment, it doesn't speak a whole lot to me, but I go back and read it again, and I find a promise there that I had overlooked before, or that I moved quickly through, that I realized that's for me right now. That's what I need to hear right now. That's what I need to hold on to right now. And so the scriptures uh, uh, are are things that that really can change our lives. I want to see the show of hands of people who would say that the Bible has changed your life. Reading the Bible, it has changed, it's, and it's overwhelming here today. Everyone's hand is up. That's a, that's a great thing. It will change your life. When you read the Bible, it will make a difference in your life. There are principles here that will absolutely work. They will work for you just like they work for someone else. Uh, and they will work today and they'll work tomorrow just like they worked yesterday. These are promises and principles that will work, and they are absolutely true. I'm thankful for that. All all a person has to do is practice what this Word says. If you will take this Word and put it into practice in your life, in your everyday life, your whole world will change. Your whole life will change. If you'll take this and apply it to your life and live it out every day, things will change for you. Your world will change. Your perspective will change. Your, your, your emotional stability will change. Everything about your life will begin to change because, because today we are celebrating Pentecost and remembering what God has done. I want to point out uh, just one promise. Everybody hold up one finger and say one promise. Now there are hundreds of promises in this book. There are thousands of promises in this book. 
But there is one promise that we're going to talk about today that I, I want you to know is available. There is a promise available for you today. No matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on in your life, there's a promise available for you today. Amen. The Bible says in Acts, the first chapter, verse number three, and I read this to you a few moments ago, that after Jesus had showed himself alive, uh, after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. So Jesus is now, uh, he's now been resurrected from the grave. He's, he's shown himself to many people to prove that he was alive, and he meets with them and he tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And he said this, which, which you have heard of me. You've heard me talk about this before, and I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait until it happens. And then he tells us what it is. He said, for John, speaking of John, the baptizer, he really wasn't a Baptist because the Baptist religion wasn't started at that time. In fact, it was just a few hundred years ago that it started, much, much, much later than, than John. John wasn't the first Baptist. There was no Baptist church until just a couple hundred years ago. So he was John the baptizer. He was not John the Baptist, our founder. He, he wasn't that. He was a baptizer. And so he said, Jesus said, John truly baptized with water. John baptized with water. You guys remember that? But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, John baptized with water. But I want you to know that if you'll go to Jerusalem and you will wait for the promise of the Father that I told you about, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost in just a few days. Amen. Amen. And so uh, I have to go back and read to you out of Luke 24 just so we can put this into context. Luke 24 and verse 44, we're going to read down through 49, but we'll start with 44. He said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Jesus is saying, see how it all ties together here, that it started with their deliverance out of Egypt, they get into the wilderness. God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai. He delivers all of the instructions and all the commands and everything that they needed to become a people. And he said all of the things that Moses spoke about and all of the things that were spoken in the prophets about me and all the things in Psalms, all of that concerning me, he was saying everything they were talking about was pointing toward me. So when people read the Old Testament and they say, I just don't know how you get Jesus out of that. He said everything Moses was talking about, everything the prophets were talking about, everything that the psalmist wrote about, and all of those things concerning me, he said, it, it was all pointing right here. Don't get confused and look for somebody else. Don't get confused and think someone else will come in a later time in history. It was all about me. That's, that's a powerful verse. You know, and there are people that really should take a look at, at that one verse. He said, it was all concerning me. 
Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. You know, there's people that can read the Bible and not understand one thing that's, that's being said. I mean, they read the words, and, but they have no clue of what the message really is, what the Word is really saying, or how it applies to their life, or what they're supposed to do about it. So he opened up their understanding. Imagine this, that you, these, these individuals had been following him. Okay, I want to just slow down for a minute so so you see this. He was speaking to people who had been following him for three and a half years. Who had been close to him day in and day out. They They were present when miracles were taking place. They were present when Jesus was teaching. When Jesus was speaking and instructing, they were right there. Every day. And then the Bible says to us that he opened up their understanding after the fact so that they could understand the Scriptures now. It is possible to walk with him, follow him, be close to him, be near him, and not understand one thing about him. Because all of the things you have to understand now, he wasn't speaking about opening their understandings to the New Testament of what we have. It wasn't written yet. He was talking to them about the Old Testament. Okay? And probably as much as anything, he was talking to them about the Torah. He was talking to them about the first five books of the Old Testament. And so Jesus now... Not only, this is amazing, not only had they followed him for three years, but these were individuals who had been studying the Old Testament their entire lives. Okay? They were brought up in Jewish homes that were devout and orthodox and faithful And when you talk about the disciples and people that were following him, you're talking about Jewish individuals who had been in the Scripture for their entire lives. So it wasn't just walk with him three years and not know, but it was also live their entire lives studying it day after day and week after week and not know what it really meant. And so the Bible said he... He opened up their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. People can read verse after verse and say, I'll read the Word all the time or I'm in the Word and not really know what it means. Not really understand it. He opened up their understanding, the Bible said. And He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Isn't it interesting how He was commanding them to go to Jerusalem? 
He commanded them to go. He didn't suggest. He didn't say that'd be a good place to go. He commanded them because there was something significant that was going to happen there and it was going to be the beginning of all of of the preaching to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. You will be witnesses. You will see it. You will experience it. You will be up close to it. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So all of this ties together. He told them, go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. It will begin in Jerusalem that the propagation of the gospel to all nations will start, and you get there and tarry until you are endued with power from on high. You go until you receive power. This is what he said was the promise of the Father. I will send the promise of, I will send the promise of my Father upon you, but go and tarry. And so this word, everybody say promise. This word promise shows up 53 times in the Bible. Promise, 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 promise. Promise is an agreement. It's an agreement. It's a vow. And and because of the agreement and uh, because of the vow, there is a cause for hope. Okay? When When the agreement is made or when the vow is taken, then immediately hope arises. I promise, I promise you that's going to happen. You know, as, as children, oftentimes they, they get us as parents to promise. Because what have we said to them when they didn't get what they wanted? Well, I didn't promise. We, we tell them, and they're quick to pick up on it when you say, well, I didn't promise I was going to do that. Well, you said, but I didn't promise I was going to do that. So next time they want to do something, they'll, they'll push you to that place where, where you say, I promise. Do you promise? You promise you're going to do this? Why? Because at the moment a promise is made, or a vow is taken, then hope begins to arise. They get excited about the birthday that's coming, or they get excited about the event that you promised you would take them to, and it causes hope to arise. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings, the 8th chapter, and verse number 56, uh, down through the verse there, it says, There hath not failed one word of all his Good promise. Not one word, not one word that he's ever promised has failed. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for that. I'm going to be honest with you. As a man, I've made promises that I didn't live up to. As a man, I've made vows that I didn't live up to. And it doesn't always make you feel great. It doesn't make you feel wonderful when you, when you know that you've fallen short in that promise. But not one promise that He's made has ever failed. Amen. His promises are secure. Jesus spake of the promise of the Father. And so I want to look at this for just a few moments here. I, I believe that what we need as, as human beings in 2017 is... We need to have a hope of eternal life. 
When life is tough here and things are difficult here, I need hope in my life that things are going to be better one day. That if it never gets better here, as soon as I cross from this life into that life, that it will get better there. Amen. I want to live every day with that hope no matter what's going on right here. And the only way to do that is to receive a promise from our Father, amen, who is, the Bible tells us, a spirit which has no beginning and no end and is as, as familiar with eternity as he is with time. And so when he makes a promise, it's not just, it's not somehow prisoner to a certain amount of years that we live here, but it's something that lives beyond that. And, and, and I think that living with the hope of eternal life is probably the, the ultimate gift that you could ever receive here. Yeah. Amen. Because it's the one thing that will keep you balanced when everything's out of control. It's the one thing that will bring buoyancy to your life. And, and when you're going under, it'll cause you to just, just float right back up to the top because you have hope. Amen. And, and on, on our own, on our own, it's not possible to live every day with hope. As soon as someone on the job promises you a raise or they promise you a promotion or they promise you a position, before you know it, someone else has taken that position. Or before you know it, the company has as filed chapter 11 or before you know it something happens and and you were you were banking on it getting better and instead of it getting better it got worse or you have a family member that says this time it's going to be different I promise you this time it's going to be different and a week goes by or a month goes by or a few months goes by or a year goes by and you realize that they with everything in them they wanted it to get better but it didn't get better it only got worse it only got worse and so that promise that hope that you had left because someone didn't live up to that on our own we can't do it it's just not possible for us to do this and so Israel Israel could not free themselves from the slavery that they were in. They couldn't work hard enough, long enough, serve through generations to get to the place to earn their way out of slavery. They couldn't do it. It was just their, their, their prison to live in. That This is the way it will always be. And the stronger they grew, and the greater in number that, that, that they became, the more of a threat they were to Egypt. And so their burden was increased. Instead of it getting better, it was only getting worse. They were more of a threat. The Bible tells us the story that there, there, there came a time when, uh, when, when new leadership rises up that did not know Joseph, did not know his story, did not know how he had been instrumental in saving them when famine came. And so there was no regard and there was no respect for the people and they only looked like a threat because of number and because of sheer uh, force. They, they were put into slavery and they were driven harder and weighed down on even more. So when you look at trying to get out of of the issues and problems of life by yourself, most of the time it just seems overwhelming. 
I don't know what the success rate is for, for the many programs that, that try to help people through addiction. I don't know what the, the success rate is. I don't know what the, the relapse numbers are. I, I don't know all of those things, but I can tell you that it's, it's extremely high. It's extremely high. Because we can't do this by ourselves. And that's what they were finding out. You, you and I, we, we cannot do this by ourselves. We want to do better. But this is what the writer said. When I want to do good, evil is there. And when I try to do it on my own, I fail every time. Everything that's in me, my mind, I want to get it right, but I cannot seem to manage that. I always fall short. And so to have, to have eternal life, we need new life. To have eternal life, I cannot, I cannot obtain it with this same old life that I've been living. I can't do that. So the Bible tells us in John, if you want to turn over there to the third chapter, Jesus is having a conversation, and I'm going to move along quickly here, but follow with me. John 3, 1. And there was a, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again. Nicodemus is saying, How does all of this work? How do I figure this out? Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. Everybody say water. Water and of what? The Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Listen, this is, this is as plain as it gets. Without being born again, of water and spirit. Jesus said, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So if you're born of the flesh, you're limited. You're confined. You're dealing in the finite. There's always those moments of hopelessness. How can I beat this? How can I get over this? How can I break this? How can I victor over this? In the flesh, you will always have moments to relapse. Moments that the promise, you let someone down. They let you down. That's what happens in the flesh. He said, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I love this verse. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. 
Jesus said, don't let this take you back. Don't let this amaze. Don't let this cause you to stumble. Don't let this cause you to trip up. That I said you must, not that you ought to or you should or it's a good idea. He said you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeneth and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit, everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus told us how this would happen. He said it would happen through new birth. It would happen through being born again. So they were a people, all right, that started in Egypt. They were delivered physically out of Egypt. And when you get into the New Testament, you find that they are now born Again, spiritually, they're born of the Spirit in the second chapter of of Acts. And so, water. Jesus said it requires two elements, and two elements only. Water and Spirit. It doesn't say, shake the preacher's hand and you go to heaven. It doesn't say, sign the church roll and you go to heaven. It doesn't say hang out with him for three and a half years and you go to heaven. It doesn't say read the scriptures and you'll go to heaven. We've already seen that you can hang out with him, read the scripture, and not really even know what it says. And not have what he said that you could have. Now, I want us to look in another Verse and this is in 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to read this verse, uh, verse chapter 10 and verse number 2. Notice what it says here. And were all, speaking of uh, Old Testament reference here, they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In the cloud and in the sea. Uh, Zach has several verses over there, and I want you to just follow along. If you want to write them down or look at them in in your Bible, you can. Exodus 16 and verse number 10 says, It came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. In the cloud. Glory of the Lord. Exodus 34 and verse number 10. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Leviticus 16 and verse number 2. 16, 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not for... Let's go on. For, got it? For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Listen, if you think the Holy Ghost is something strange, foreign, far-fetched, then you've missed, as you've read through the Bible, His appearance time and time and time again. You've you've missed God showing up in events, and we see Him, that the Lord appeared in 
the cloud. The Holy Ghost isn't some strange or unusual thing, but God has been showing up in different ways for, for all of time. And there's some other verses that I'm going to read here in a moment, but I want you to see this, that Jesus is telling them, and we read it in Acts 1, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you receive the promise of the Father. He told him in Luke that you're going to be endued with power from on high. So he says, go there and wait until you are baptized with the Holy Ghost. John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So when you read all of this, you have to understand that Jesus was promising them something. He was telling them, if you go, I have a gift to give you that is like no other gift that you have ever received. And when you receive this gift, you will have power that you did not previously have. So when people say, I don't know how I'm going to make it, I will tell you how you can make it. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know how I'm going to overcome. I can tell you how to overcome. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know how I will handle this. I'm going to tell you how to handle this. What you cannot do on your own, God can do in you, through you, if you will be filled with His Spirit. It is a promise for all people. It is for you and for your children and to them that are far off. It is for anyone that our God will call. It is a promise available to everyone. And if you've never received it, God wants you to have it. Let's look at Exodus uh, 13, verse number 21. I'm going to read a few more verses here. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them by the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go day by day. You realize that he showed up in a cloud and in fire to do what? To direct them, to give them direction, to help them, to empower them, to lead them, to let them know you don't have to stay where you are. You can travel on. When, and this is, this is similar to things that we read in Acts that there was a fire present. There was a wind that started. Why did he do all of that? He wanted them to know, just like I was with Israel, leading them in a cloud and fire, I will be in you, leading you every day that you live, day by day, in the day and in the night. There will never be a time that he'll not be with you when you're fulfilled with his spirit. He'll be there all day. He'll be there all night. Let's look at Exodus 19 and verse number 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. He said, I'll be there. Moses, when you speak, I'll be there. I'll be there. Why is it when you come to church and, and you hear the preached word of God, you just feel closer because he said, I'll be there. When you're sharing my word and when you're telling them what I said, I will be there. What is that? There, is there a cloud in here right now? No. Is there, is there a fire in here right now? No. But his spirit is here right now. And his spirit that directed them then and his spirit that confirmed Moses' word then or, or the cloud and his presence is his spirit today. Exodus 40 and verse number number 38 for the cloud 
cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was upon it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeyings. Now, I bring this up because I want you to know that the tabernacle of God is not confined to a wilderness somewhere now, but you and I, we are the tabernacle of God. We are buildings that have not been made by man's hands. We are the tabernacle of God. He dwells in us now. Just like he said, I will overshadow that. I will be there through the day. I will be there through the night. I will be there there with them through all their journeyings. The promises of the Old Testament that we see God saying, I'll be in the cloud. I'll be in the fire. I'll be right there all the time. When you receive the promise of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have God with you. You have Emmanuel. You have God with you all day. You have God with you all night. You have God with you every step that you take. You have God with you in all the journeyings of your life. Why wouldn't anybody want that promise? Why wouldn't anybody want the Holy Ghost? Because he said, just like I was with Israel, I will be with you when you are baptized in my spirit. Let's stand together. Let's stand. It's God's greatest promise and it's a gift for you and it's a gift for me and you don't you don't have to beg God you don't have to plead with God you don't have to force God you you all you have to do is let him know what you did for Israel then bringing them out of Egypt is what I want you to do for me today in leading me, filling me, empowering me today. So here's what we're going to do.